So they do nothing. They hold the business card and wait as the men move to the backs of the vans and pull out their equipment. Red plastic buckets, squeeze bottles and spray cans, wire brushes and putty knives, roll after roll of paper towels. Another man, the driver of the second van, steps down onto the sidewalk. He approaches the person in the doorway, walking slowly, head down, He is terrifically fat. He has a graying ponytail that stretches down between his shoulder blades and a thick, bushy mustache that turns up at the ends. There is a name for this type of mustache, an antiquated style, but the name escapes the person waiting. Remembering it seems important suddenly, proving that they are still capable of simple acts, putting names to things. It seems like this would restore a level of normalcy to the night, having a name for it, that style of mustache, but the term is just out of reach and they are left at a loss. Again. The two men at the vans are pulling on blue paper bodysuits. They are pulling on rubber gloves. They are duct-taping each other's suit sleeves closed around the gloves. They are pulling safety goggles out of the vans, plastic and rubber respiration masks, a box of disposable surgical booties, more duct tape for the pant cuffs of their suits, a man standing on one leg, balancing with a hand against the side of a van while the other rolls the tape around his ankles. They look like something out of an old science fiction movie. Moon men. They look like moon men. The fat man approaches. The fat man arrives. He is even bigger up close, towering, damp-browed, breathing heavily from the short walk. He smells of cigarettes and coffee. He looks down at the scuffed toes of his work boots. He is about to speak, and the person in the doorway has absolutely no idea what he is going to say. What anyone could possibly say on this night, standing outside after the police and coroner's people have gone, after the facts have been given and recorded the known details. The person has no idea what's left, what words would still have a shred of relevance, what words wouldn't fail, utterly. The fat man nods and looks up and speaks in a low, rich rumble. What he says is, I'm very sorry for your loss. And maybe this is the moment when the person in the doorway cries or screams, or lets loose a fusillade of vulgarities, a seething mass of profanity and loss. Maybe this is the moment where the person falls to their knees, dissolving into guilt, sobbing convulsively, and has to be helped up by the fat man, held under the elbows and lifted gently. Maybe this is the moment when the person hits the fat man, when they punch the fat man in the chest, just to put a physical action to the feeling, just to strike some kind of blow. Maybe this is the moment when they speak in tongues, when they resurrect a primal language, finding comfort in the acceptance of extreme things, babbling in God's own voice. Or maybe this is the moment when they say nothing, when they stand silent, when the weight of the thing that has happened finally settles upon them, 
and they sag a little, in the shoulders and knees, the smallest thing, the way they will sag from now on, the way they will carry this night in their bodies from this moment forward. And maybe this is their only response to what the fat man says. The moon men pass inside carrying their equipment, their blue paper suits crinkle and shush. The fat man stays for a few minutes, and maybe he says something else, and maybe he doesn't. Maybe he just stands and waits as the person in the doorway gets used to the sagging weight, their new posture, the slight adjustment in bearing. Then the fat man returns to the vans and pulls on his own moon man suit, gathers the equipment the others have laid out for him, passes by the person in the doorway and enters the motel or apartment or house.